You're listening to highlights from the Creative Process interview with Bruce Piasecki. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. The way I look at the prison is that it's always full of constraints and obstacles, just like my early life was, just like my initial family and setting was, right? But if you think of the present as a set of predicaments, then you can empower yourself to select the predicaments that you think you can add value to, that you can calculate your time and resources and teams. And it's only then that you can make a creative difference in the present. Because if, if, if you just focus on the predicaments, you'll see 25 of them every day when you read the paper. But if you go through that process that I just outlined, you can discover creativity again. You can discover the things that you can work on, then you can build the teams to work on them. And eventually, the hope is you'll find satisfaction and fulfillment. I say that wealth is the discovery of what is enough. Wealth is the discovery that you have something to add to society as opposed to being defeated by apathy or frustration or anxiety. I love that question, what is enough? You were talking about fashion, and I believe something like 21 billion tons annually are, of you know textiles are put into landfills every year. And it's so disheartening when we could we can just limit ourselves and we think about quality or making things to last. It takes a little bit of a readjustment because capitalism, our current model of capitalism doesn't always encourage that. Um, I wonder what your reflections are on, uh, you know, education, environmental education. I think that now um, it's it's slowly, you know, climate education is slowly becoming more adopted at a younger uh, level in schools, but it's still not there. And it, it's just, it's so, it's, it's so, it gives so much promise as well for the, the Green New Deal and the new jobs, but we have to really integrate it at a, an early age, whereas some of us are just coming to it like we had to educate ourselves about it. I, I think what you said is profoundly true, Mia, and, and that education and environmental education have become more significant in my life than ever imagined 40 years ago. So when I started studying in this field, it was called natural resource management. And it was mostly about fish and wildlife management. It wasn't really about the issues as big as climate change. There are three kinds of competencies it's worth investing in yourself to develop, right? The, 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 the first, is that as you're young and your mind is plastic and your ambition is rich, it pays to deal with some technical complexity to earn respect in society. That technical competence could be engineering, science. It could be a complex artistic function. It could, you know, where you're dealing with complex materials in your art. And it could also be accounting there, there is an importance, I believe, in becoming comfortable in a, in a way that proves you can deal with complexity. And normally in modern society, that starts with some technical issue. O over time, the second competency that you wanna develop, 
I consider management savvy. So that supposing you're going to do a beautiful mural or you're gonna write a book or you're gonna do something creative, you still have to have enough business savvy to know what materials you can purchase, how you manage those materials, and then most importantly, how the world acknowledges your product because it is in fact a product. So I think environmental education is a good way to deal with technical complexity, management savvy, savvy, but the last and third competence is social awareness. If you don't have social awareness, you could become quite greedy and you put everything in your own pocket, right? So I would suggest for those undergrads or graduate students or postdocs that are trying to think of, try and find a, a blend of those different types of challenges. You don't have to become the master of all three. You can always hire accountants. You can always hire engineers. You could always hire materials experts. But the whole idea is if you have a motivated psyche, try and understand that you can excel through these multiple competencies. You don't need them all, but you need to be that you can't solve climate change without some awareness of all three of those. You know, really, as you reflect on education and the challenges we face, the future and the kind of world we're leaving for the next generation, you touched on some of it there, but, you know, what were some teachers or life lessons that were most important to you? Um, what would you like young people to know, preserve and remember? I, I think waking up in the morning with openness instead of regret. What openness is, is the ability to look out of the windows of the cell and learn from somebody else, grow all of the competitive things of consistency and fortitude and persistence are necessary to help get ahead. But you can't even get there unless you have openness. And the thing that I often worry about is the people who are not pursuing creative things out of fear. Neurological system is designed to stay in the initial box as opposed to try and push out and push up. First thing to realize as anybody who's open, you realize that the future is near, that the future is not some abstract thing that you can defer and wait for, that people who care about the future may understand that humans are hardwired to care about the future. The trick is, to help you align your money and your people and your rules around competitive frugality, because that is the more certain path to success in a world filled with brutality and violence and prejudice, right? I spoke in the beginning of this interview about the prejudice I felt against my Puerto Rican brothers and my Chinese sisters. And uh, I think that I was able to fight into a future because I didn't become hardened by that brutality or prejudice, right? I think the second thing you learn that I wrote about at the end of this book is that fate is actually a personal construct, that there are many things that happen in your life outside of your control. You know, your mother may die, your brother may be put in prison, but the fact remains that with the mantra doing more with less is success, each day you wake up and can make fateful decisions that shape your own ascent 
your own position, your own creativity. So I like to think of it as fate is a personal construct because when I was finishing my PhD at Cornell, they had me teach an Emerson essay called Freedom and Fate, where in the beginning of the essay, I was very disturbed by the fact that the great writer Emerson said that fate is so overwhelming in some traditions that it's as if we were each involved in a shipwreck and we were thrown off the ship into a turbulent ocean. And all we had was the chance to look at each other. What, what I've come to believe, and the reason why I wrote this book, A New Way to Wealth, is that not only is the future near, but you can be fateful of your own person. You can design, that's the way to say it. You can design your own life. You don't have to assume that the life has been designed for you. Because what is creativity after all, me, right? But designing your own life, right? You're designing it. And then the last thing that I really think is even more fundamental than all the personal things I've said so far is that in the end, all wealth is social wealth. I learned that from Ben Franklin. He demonstrated it to me again and again, that in the act of being civil, in the act of being generous, in the act of being involved in a daily or weekly exchange with a range of people, you are creating social wealth, not just money in the bank. And I think, Mia, that's what a creative life is about. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, subscribe to this podcast. Thank you for listening.